Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to At the End of the Day, the podcast. I'm Hannah Sung, and in every episode, I speak with friends who have stories and experiences that I like to learn from. I also get in touch with experts when I have questions. So I got to tell you, I have so many questions when it comes to bots, trolls, and conspiracy theories. I mean, I have so many questions, I don't even know where to start. Really, where do I start? Well, when I think of what my personal priorities are, I need to be a decent parent. That's huge for me, just trying to guide my kids into having what they need to handle the world as it opens up to them. So I'm asking myself, if I don't understand how and why so many things on the internet are designed to trick me, how will I break it down for my kids? Well, luckily, I stumbled upon a book called Can You Believe It? How to Spot Fake News and Find the Facts. It's by Joyce Grant. And in this episode, we talk about how to teach kids to navigate online misinformation. And it's not as easy a checklist as you might think. What I'm learning from Joyce is that the lessons we need to give our kids are actually good for all of us. Here's my conversation with author Joyce Grant. It's so nice to meet you, Joyce. Nice to meet you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. When I came across your book online, I just thought, this is it. This is what I need to grab and read and talk about. And for this episode in particular, I admit I wanted a quick fix for conspiracy theories. (laughs) I wanted a quick fix for bots. I wanted to know, why do bots follow me? And then I realized the questions I'm asking are too big. It's like asking, why internet? Why human nature? So I thought, Your book is perfect because it may help us boil it down to how we might talk to a kid. And in doing so, hopefully it'll help inform us as well. I mean, I kind of figure there's stuff in your book for adults too, would you say? Yeah, I I get a lot of adults saying that they're interested in reading the book and that they're getting tips from it and that kind of thing. And the tips that I share when I do presentations, a lot of the teachers come out and say, you know, you help the kids, but I kept taking notes myself. So that's exciting. (laughs) It's funny that you talk about like a quick fix for disinformation and misinformation, because in the beginning they had something called, it was the crap test, C-R-A-A-P, where you used to just look for typos, look for the wonky URL, Hmm. look for Mm -hmm. this and that. And really when I started talking about misinformation with kids, That's what we focused on was a lot of the technical things, because you could pick up fake news that way a lot of times. But just before I went to compile all my information into this book, there was this kind of shift, which is you really can't get it from typos. And I mean, it just got too good very quickly. And uh, now it's about critical thinking. Yes. I can really respect how long you've been doing this work when you kind of lay it out like that. So why don't we start at the beginning? (laughs) Uh, Your book is called, Can You Believe It? 
How to Spot Fake News and Find the Facts. Describe the book for us. Just give us a quick overview. It really is the culmination of research that I've done and having been a journalist, I'm a freelance journalist myself, and wanting kids particularly to understand how real journalism is made. And then all of the discussions that I have with kids, because I learn a lot from the kids, because as I say, fake news is evolving. So what they'll get from this is A, how to spot fake news and how to stop yourself from sharing it and sort of how to do that thought process. Then we actually teach them what real journalism looks like, because if you know what real journalism looks like, it makes it easier to spot the fake stuff and sort of understand what the disconnect is there. And then we get into what to watch out for and some things that you can look for and where we can kind of grab them and say, hang on, don't share that yet. Think about this. One good example that I think of with my own son is he's shown me like a basketball shot. Look at this basketball shot from, you know, 300 yards away. It's amazing. And it's like, hang on, let's think about how many times that guy did that shot and didn't get it in. So, you know, we can actually find those, the bloopers, right? And then all of a sudden it's not, it's not the emotional hit that it was when you thought it was just a one-off and the guy was so cool and walked away. Mm. My son loves those trick shots too. (laughs) Loves them. Well, not to take away from them because they still made the shot. I mean, they're real. It's just giving a little bit more information to people. Context. Context. It's all about context. It really is. Well, one thing out of many things that really, really spoke to me in this book is how misinformation thrives on the emotional hit. Because I think all the time about how news affects our emotions as well. But of course, the fake stuff preys on our emotions in a nefarious way, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Can you break that down a little bit? When you say in your book that if an article makes you emotional, you should be skeptical. Why? Yeah. I mean, that is the number one thing that they try to do is create some kind of emotion, shock. You know, you could be furious, revolted, excited, and you know, you could be smug and you say to yourself, I knew that I was on the right side of this issue. If that becomes like a strong emotion, you might want to just stop and say, hang on are they doing this on purpose? Are they doing this on purpose? Fake news is deliberate, right? It's deliberate. It's intentional. It's not an accident. And the number one thing they go for is that emotion because they know that we won't stop and think. When you're emotional, sometimes you click really fast. And so we want to get in between that emotion and the click. Yes. So it strikes me as Oh, an uphill battle to try and get a young kid to understand all of their own emotions and be like very self-reflective. I mean, first of all, sometimes I can't understand my child's emotions. They have so many and they're so big. And I'm like in my 40s now. I've had a lifetime of managing my emotions and they're brand new to so much of it. So can you unpack that a little further for us? from your own experience of working with kids and and with your own kids, you know, how do you get your kids to examine their own emotions as they're going through TikTok and, and seeing all these exciting online things? That's a great point. I read this study from the American Psychological Association. I'll have to check that mm-hmm. APA. 
And it basically said that between the ages of 10 and 12, the brain in children is flooded with oxytocin and dopamine in the area where they make decisions and in the feedback response centers. And that's where they make decision-making and reward perception. So right where they're getting fake news and they just got handed a phone from their parents, right? (laughs) And so you're right about the fact that their emotions come into play. And what I find though, kids are super smart and they have a leg up on a lot of us because they already have a lot more context than we had at their age about internet and digital stuff. So you don't have to explain the basics to them, but you do sometimes have to point out the tricks that adults will play. You know, the game that you're playing gets harder and then all of a sudden you get offered a chance to buy something that will help you through that stage, right? Mm -hmm. Deliberate. Sometimes you have to point out the deliberateness. And once you do that, they'll run with it. Once they get where they're being manipulated. Kids don't like to be manipulated, obviously. Adults don't either, but kids really don't. (laughs) And that's one of the difference between adults and kids when they approach fake news. Stanford did a study showing kids fake news. So they showed them this dandelion and it was all mutated. It was a photo of a dandelion mutated. And they said this was in a nuclear disaster and it got mutated. And kids asked really smart questions. They said, well, what happened to the animals around? What happened to the people? What did the animals eat? Is that a dandelion that somebody would eat? And then what would happen? So they asked all these really smart questions and the adults went, look at that photo. That's fake. They dismissed the whole question like in a meta way, whereas kids will ask really smart questions, but they're still inside the misinformation. They haven't stopped to put on what I call that skeptical face and say, Mm -hmm. whoa, this whole thing is fake news and step back. So that's where we need to catch them before they click is to say, hang on, question the whole thing for just a second. And it might be fine, but you might want to investigate it. So when you say the key is critical thinking, that absolutely makes sense. And then in in a child's language, basically, that means being skeptical or teaching them a bit of skepticism. But what about if we can talk about adults for a second with misinformation? What about when the skepticism is on the other side, almost like the wrong side of the tracks, when the skepticism is applied to the real scientifically based evidence? Because um, that's where you get into conspiracy theories. Well, you have to, number one, just approach people with respect. Respect the fact that you don't know everything, even though you think they're on the wrong side of this. Remember that they can still teach you something. Let's say they're your friend or whatever. I mean, and you got to think of what are your goals here? Are you trying to convince this person who's very convinced of X, Y, Z, are you trying to change their mind? Like why? And will you be successful? So, I mean, it may not be worth kind of getting into in the first place if you're just going to end up in an argument with no, no reason. But if you think that you can introduce some ideas, then just don't assume that you know everything because you'll, you'll be wrong. Fake news is evolving and it gets us all. It's almost like social media rewards a lack of context. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Imagine that, making money off of the outrage <laughs> and the, 
that's that's sarcasm on my part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that brings us to filter bubbles, right? Ooh, tell us about filter bubbles. What What <laughs> is a filter bubble? A filter bubble means the more you click on stuff, the more it gives you that stuff. Would you say that filter bubble is interchangeable with echo chamber? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Echo chamber, whatever you like, it comes back to you for sure. So if you love cats and you're always clicking on cat videos, pretty soon your whole computer looks like the whole world revolves around cats. And somebody who likes dogs, their computer looks totally different. And if you swap, you suddenly realize that over here, there's dogs. (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. I thought everything was about cats. So the more you click on something you like, the more the algorithms know that Mm. and they give you more. Not only that, but there's a filter bubble outside of the digital, which is your friends. So the more you surround yourself with cat people because you met them in an online forum and now you're both cat people and you're creating a cat shelter. And so it it goes on and on. And you obviously swap out the word cat and dog for liberal conservative or like whatever your filter bubble is. And when I talk to kids, I do this really fun thing with them, which is I'll demonstrate a filter bubble. So Typically, I'll have a gym full of kids. We might have 200 kids sitting on the floor in the gym. And then around the outside are these uh, teachers and librarians and adults and principals. So So I'll say to them, "Okay, I'm going to show you a picture of the most famous person in the world at one point. And I want everybody to just quietly put up your hand if you know who this is. And so I'll put up a picture of Princess Diana and Mm -hmm. all of the adults will have their hand up. And I say to the kids, look around. None of the kids has their hand up. And I say, she was literally the most famous person in the world. And they can't believe it, right? And then I say, this is Princess Diana. Uh So then they kind of get it. And then I say, now I'm going to do the same thing for the adults. And I'll put up a picture of BTS, let's say, or one of the members of BTS. Oh, yes. I love BTS. (laughs) Well, so do I. And (laughs) when I was started doing this, BTS Mm -hmm. wasn't as popular. Now, now I just have to put up one of the members because if I put them all up, then adults uh, get it quicker. But so the kids just, it's great because there's this visceral reaction. They start screaming, right? Yeah. And the adults, many of the adults will sit around and sort of look at each other and go, I have no idea who this is. And then I say it's BTS and then they they all get it. So that's, that's kind of fun. And, and it's really, really interesting because We are in echo chambers. We are in silos, filter bubbles, whatever they are. Yeah. And then we see out in the world when those filter bubbles kind of come home to roost. I'm thinking of Parliament Hill in Ottawa, you know, just a couple of months ago, or Capitol Hill, January 6th. Yeah. I think years ago, someone said online life is real life. And it's like it took the pandemic and being isolated for us to really grasp. Yes, there's no separation, actually. It's true, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What I love about your attitude, Joyce, that really comes through in the book is that there is this positivity about technology. You say throughout the book, which is very much written in a tone that I feel connects with kids because there's humor there too and it's in kid language. But you say things like, the internet is amazing. Technology is incredible. It's such a great tool. And the reason why I appreciate that approach as you're busting down myths and talking (laughs) about misinformation and the dangers of being online is because I recognize my own attitude as a parent is steeped in fear. I know it is because for a long time when my kids were really young, I just closed the door and kept it shut. It's like I never handed them a phone. We did not get a tablet for so long. And then the pandemic happened. My kids were almost like they were on the older end of being kids who weren't handling devices. But the pandemic obviously obliterated that. They needed to go to school, for example, on a computer. And so why is it important to you to bring that positive energy? Can we talk about that a little bit about The emotional state of adults when we're talking to kids about misinformation. Sure. I mean, to start with, the internet's not going away. You can't (laughs) bury your head in the sand and and pretend that even if you forbid it, your kid ain't going to get around you and find a way. Because it's very addictive. It's very (laughs) enticing. It's exciting. It's interesting. I do agree that it is a foolish take to try and keep the door shut. I, I totally recognize that as a as a parent, that my time was ticking. And so this book kind of came to me at exactly the right time. Yeah, because it's also like when we were kids and we learned how to, you know, cross the street, we didn't walk our kids up to the street and say, this street is very dangerous. There's a lot of cars you could get hit. So we're never going to cross this street. Like you taught your kid how to cross the street. And now they use lots of streets and they're very helpful. It's the same with the internet. To think that you can bury your head in the sands and just kind of wrap your kid up in bubble wrap and prevent them. No, you have to teach them how to think critically and talk through some of these issues, which leads us to, you know, there's a lot of challenging stuff on the internet and, and how to sort of have those conversations. Yeah. Can you walk us through one scenario or story, for example, that can help illustrate a great way or maybe a cautionary tale of walking a kid through having seen something online. Yes, there's all various degrees of challenging news. So the war in Ukraine is a very serious thing. You might be wanting to talk to your child about something that's racist online or questionable or points of view missing, or they might have seen the Oscars. And they come across, let's say, I was noticing a picture of a very surprised Nicole Kidman, who... Mm -hmm is all over my social feed, jumping out of her chair with this surprise look on her face. And it says... Reacting to Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Exactly. 
number one. It's very shareable. It provokes an emotion. It's also breaking news. Breaking news is a breeding ground for misinformation because all the facts haven't come out. And, and a lot of times you do have to look at, what do I get out of this? Why do I want to spread this information? Has all the information come out? Because it turned out that that picture of Nicole Kidman, I think she saw Jessica Chastain walking in. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a reaction to that situation at all. And then Jada Pinkett Smith's, the information about her alopecia, I sort of had that information, but a lot of people didn't. There's lots of dynamics and information. Sometimes you just need to do your research, be calm and, and collected, and just sort of go, let's stop for a minute. You know, if you're having those difficult conversations with kids, you want to take the lead from them. So maybe they don't want to know everything about it. They just want to know one small part of it. Lots of parents have had the conversation, where do babies come from? <laughs> and you start in on the biological and all of a sudden you're, you're deep into this conversation that's very awkward. And they mean, I mean the baby from next door. Like, is that her cousin? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So a lot of times you have to take your cue from the kids. And also with difficult news, like talking to kids about Ukraine, depending on the age of the child, it, it matters how old they are. Because younger kids, you want them to feel safe. A lot of Older kids will think that they have to fix it somehow. They have to do something. So you might explore what can you do? You know, there's a place you can put your supportive artwork online, but you don't have to fix this because here's who we have working on it. So you show the helpers, you know, Mr. Rogers had it right. Show the helpers. And, you know, as a journalist in my articles, I give the most important stuff first, which is often the most exciting, the most challenging but as a parent, when you're talking to kids, you want to back into a story more slowly. You don't slam them with the most relevant information first. You back into it a little bit. You might start with the helpers. You know, there are a lot of people around the world who are supporting Ukraine, and this is what's going on. And then the child sort of warms up to the fact that something's happening in Ukraine, and then they'll start asking questions, and then you sort of warm up the, the conversation a bit. So... That's for challenging news. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to know some practical advice from you in terms of when to take off the guardrails for kids. I, I'm sure there isn't like an age or it's not like a car seat where you're like after 21 pounds, you know, but things like going from the children's YouTube to the quote unquote regular YouTube or whatever kind of guardrails that you put in place for the internet and for searching for your children. What are some of your guidelines for what age and stage to do things? So I have a website called teachingkidsnews.com. And in that we present the news, the news of the day in a kid-friendly way. So we got lots of context and we unpack a lot of information. Grade four, five, six, is kind of the sweet spot where they're really curious about the news and it's time to talk to them about it. But that's because I can't have an in-person conversation with them. If I'm with a child and I'm in person, then you just sort of go by the questions they're asking and the kind of child, because you, you can have very anxious children who would be very upset by certain news. And in that case, do whatever you need to do if, if you need to shield them from it or whatever you know your child better than anybody. But, you know, I used to go into my child's grade three class 
and bring headlines. And I asked them, what do you want to know about? And we'll talk about the headlines. And they wanted to know about the, the tough stuff, the trade embargoes. They wanted to know about the oil spill off the east coast of Africa. They wanted to know about the new scientific discoveries. They didn't want to know about Bieber and his love life and, you know, his hair. Interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. And the fact is they didn't know about these things because nobody gave them the context. So mm. if you read a headline, there's a lot of assumptions for adults. There's a lot of acronyms and assumptions. Assumptions of previous knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And kids just haven't been on the earth long enough to have that <laughs> previous knowledge like we have. Yeah. So most of my time when I do talk to kids about the news is unpacking all that stuff. So it's not a trade embargo. It's we've stopped selling to this country because we want to punish them for this or that or whatever it is. So just kind of unpacking, giving a lot of context. The good news, Hannah, is that there's a ton of great resources that we can use these days to teach kids about fake news. And one of the best that I find, and a lot of adults are a little bit skeptical about this, but let me just tell you about a couple that make me really excited. Okay. Online games. Okay. So I'm going to talk about online Ooh, games. I love the games section of your book <laughs> because it's like, yes, use the thing the kids want to do. Yeah. And if they're good, right? Like sometimes educational games are a bit corny or a bit kind of, uh, the kids don't want to do it. It's a bit like work. You know, I want to tell you about BBC iReporter where you are a journalist and you are getting information from your editor. Okay. This is a breaking news story. So you can't spend the whole game going, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll do more research. No, because you have to make a decision. And so it's also sort of, how do you present it? How do I check my facts but also tell people that I haven't 100% checked my facts. How do I put enough information up without sort of... It's a really exciting game, mm -hmm. and it's a great example. Do you play it? I have played it many times. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely sounds fun, and it really makes me think of how when you describe overall all the ways in which we can teach our children to not spread misinformation, to not fall for fake news, you really are kind of teaching them the basics of what journalists the process that we go through. And I think about the ways in which I grew to use social media and I could not mess up because that would yeah. be my career on the line. But if you're not a journalist, you might not have that same sense of responsibility or it, you might not be incentivized in the same way because, you know, I just always felt the weight of like any one bad tweet and I could be fired. How can we kind of give people, adults and children, the sense that, yeah, this this is really harmful when you spread something that's not true? Yeah, for sure. You can talk to kids about the serious consequences of fake news, like racism and political change and all of those things. But, you know, what I find is if you put it in the context of lying, like if you think of misinformation as lying, so who wants to be a liar? Mm. Nobody wants to be a liar. So as you said, real life and digital life is becoming more and more inseparable. So online is the same as, you know, offline a lot of times. We don't want to be liars online either. I'm finding more and more that maybe that's where we appeal to people's sense of right and wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. Which kids know so well. Yeah, They're born with a sense of right and wrong for sure. So 
You know, it's been really fascinating talking to you. There's so much in your book and there's so much (laughs) more that I could talk about with you. I wonder if we can just get one takeaway from you. If there's one thing you want to leave people with, you know, at the end of the day, you have kids or you have family members and you're grappling with misinformation. What is one thing that people can kind of take away from the conversation today? Can I do two? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So one is for kids to be skeptical, which doesn't mean totally cynical. The other thing is to learn from your kids because often they'll know things that you won't know. You'll know things that they won't know. So just to be respectful of the fact that it goes both ways and that they can teach you something. I mean, just look at TikTok. Like, I don't know a lot of adults who know as much about TikTok and the culture of TikTok as younger people do in a lot of cases. So teach each other about what you've learned. And then, okay, one more thing, which is to remain excited about the internet. It's an incredible time to be alive. And a lot of it is because of all the digital tools we have, and they are exciting. And of course, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So you have to learn how to use them safely and how to teach your kids how to use them safely. But it doesn't mean they aren't exciting, like embrace it. I love that advice so much. I love the positivity and I love the emphasis on respect, you know, for kids, especially who often don't get any, but also for our peers and adults as well. I love it. Thank you so much, Joyce. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. This has been really fun. Thank you for listening to At the End of the Day. If you like what you've heard, please share the podcast with a friend or give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. This episode was produced by Olivia Trono and me, Hannah Sung. Theme music for the show is a song called Commentators, written by Jeremy Singer and performed by Hank. At the end of the day is brought to you by a team, editorial assistant Francis Kim and newsletter editor Laura Hensley. And if you are contributing to the Patreon for the show, thank you so much. That includes Simone, Sandra, Will, Michael, Fiona, Kate, and Dinah. Your support of this show is what brings it to life. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can subscribe to my newsletter and find our Patreon link at endofthedayca That's E-N-D-O-F-T-H-E-D-A-Y.ca. This podcast is part of the Media Girlfriends Network. You can find us at mediagirlfriends.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.